Welcome to Exploring Creativity. Our goal is to inspire, educate, and provide a community for creative people all over the world. On this podcast, we explore a variety of topics with a multifaceted group of creative people. We explore these topics in hopes of broadening your perspective and giving you the tools you need to do your very best work. Today, I'm speaking with Ibru Koyak. Ibru is an interior designer. Together, we explored how environment affects creative work, helping people through the creative process, learning to appreciate things you don't like, and so much more. It was a great conversation with a great friend. I'm super excited for you to hear it. Hi. Hey. How are you? I'm doing well. I haven't seen you in so long. It's good to see you. Where are you? Um, I'm in a basement of my aunt's house right now. <laughs> East Coast? Uh, East Coast, yeah. Gonna be here for a minute. It's been a while, no? It has been a while. Yeah. I think about seven months. So I've seen you seven months ago? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Wow. Time flies. It's almost 2022. Thanks for reminding Yeah. Get on it. Get on your resolution. Start writing them now. Your New Year's resolution. Yeah, maybe I should actually, because I never uh, do. And I did one last year and most of it came through. Maybe I should just start to write that, like be talk, more thoughtful about my resolutions. What was your resolution last year? There were a bunch. <laughs> and anything you'd like to share? I understood things better. <laughs> that, uh, that was one of the uh, part of the resolutions. I was like, I just wanted to know which direction I wanted to go more. No, even though maybe I'm not going there yet, but I know the direction at least. So that was, uh, that was a clarify. Um, That's big. Uh, like knowing your, your direction. I've okay. heard a lot of artists speak about recently this idea of like finding the self. And I think that's another way, more poetic way of saying, like knowing what, like how to make decisions properly that align with me and, and what I want. Is that similar for you? Like kind of knowing what the next step looks like and how to make better decisions based on like what you're, what you want your life to look like. Oh, decision-making is hard topic for me, even though I know what I want, it's just giving up. It might be one of my biggest per personal challenges that, uh, mm. give up something like I, for example, I want to design spaces. I want to make furniture and I want to paint. I want to, you know, this, I think this is a very common thing for a creative mind. We want to create many things we want to do, but also these each individual thing, for example, it's a thing that, you know, so, some other people just do one of them and it, it's a serious, but I want to do all of them. And I have mm -hmm. them uh, seven days and 24 hours, like everyone else. I don't feel I have to give up one of them, but at least I have to make decision of prior, uh, not prioritizing. Yeah, for example, I have to make some decisions, let's say some, to be able to function better. So to me, giving up is just giving up one of them is it's scary and I I cannot make those decisions. I just run away. Right. Yeah. yeah. Avoiding decisions is a decision. Avoiding decisions is the best skill I have actually. Good. Okay. <laughs> that's that's one way of solving things. Um 
<laughs> or resolving things it might cause more problems but it, it can resolve things also um so you're saying like your resolution was to know your direction and get uh, get clearer on that and decision making plays a role in that because knowing like trying to achieve the goals that you have you need to make decisions and you're talking about trade-offs like i want to do this and that and that but if i do painting then i can't do drawing at the same time and i can't do interior design or furniture like so all these things have trade-offs but in trying to figure out how do you balance them on an ongoing basis and i feel like that's a big that's definitely a big like one of the big artist challenges is being so excited for creativity and generating ideas and seeing bringing ideas to life that we're like oh i can do that in music oh i can do that in writing i can do that in teaching like i'm in the same place you know and i think it really does come down to prioritization and it comes down to trade-offs and and i think at the same time i find for me it's like being okay with the trade-off happening so this has been happening quite a bit right now especially after covid i was like working more from home and everything is at home right now like my little room studio like atelier whatever you call that's in the home my working environment is my dining room so everything is so close to each other so everything else is so tempting but last five four or five months maybe this ha this became more clear to me so i'm like okay so this week these are the things that I learned about time management too. This week, I need to do these things. These things need to get done, okay? But if I tell I need to do this Monday, Ibru will never do that. Or she will find a great reason to postpone it. Or something is more prior to that if it needs to happen. So because I cannot make a schedule and I, I'm not really good about time management, I think this is a very common thing for other, like, all of their creatives too, because our mind doesn't work in an analytic way. So or being organized is very analytic to me. Mm -hmm. And yes. this is something that I am having, uh, I think it's really tough to manage a creative. There are times that's why we need, you know, uh, business people or like other people and our mm -hmm. team. Okay. Right. Let me help you work in this space. Okay. This is your area that you create or draw, whatever you do here. And I'll tell you what we need to do next. And I'll call, you know, I'll call you for that moment. I don't know. So you're saying that being, and one of the topics I chose for you is environment because, well, you design environments. Yeah. So I thought that would make sense. And you're saying the environment has a big effect on you right now, being that you're home. Being that you have a room where you paint, you have a room where you work, and then place to sleep, a kitchen, and then an area to sit. Those all start to feel like one sort of homogenous thing. And then it becomes harder to like know the difference of what mode am I even in? Am I working even though I could play, even though I could sleep or cook? Like there's just, there's so many options of what to do. And so managing your schedule and time, given that you're so excited and passionate about all these different activities uh, becomes difficult. Let's talk about environment a little bit. I mean, I think time management is one sort of environment. It's sort of the environment in which your your work lives in, like these blocks of time where you're devoting to to the work. But then there's also the environments that you're creating and helping to create. And you just mentioned this sort of organic environment. 
um, that you're living in where things are, are being built upon very naturally in the shape of, of you and, and your lifestyle, but you're also building environments for other people that I assume might have other shapes. They might not be as organic per se. So I'm wondering how you think about environments uh, and creating environments for yourself and for other people. For other people. Mm. Yeah, this is, this, is, this is a subject that I really care about. I really care for my environment <laughs> uh, and say, let's start with an individual's life. So they trust or hire me to achieve to one of their goals. And that's potentially has having a better space, but better is different for everyone. For example, some people think better is looking good or better. Uh, some people cares about function more, or some people is just looking for change, or I don't know, they need a change and they're looking yeah. for a change. So that, for example, my job here is to really, I'm, I think it's very like therapy. Yeah. I'm really trying to understand what uh, people I work with is looking for, because they usually use, for example, those very popular words that they hear from, you know, the society, which doesn't really mean what they are mm -hmm. meaning. So for example, a client says, oh, I want to do something very sophisticated. So, okay, let's talk about what sophisticated means for you, because for one client might be something, you know, Kelly Wetzler and another one is a Bauhaus. So what mm -hmm. is sophisticated, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, do you want rich? So I'm just doing all these breakdowns for them. It's like client mind is becoming like a creative mind when they start to do a project, they get into that cloud. It's very like confusing and it's, uh, it's need, it needs to be simplified. So I'm like, let's talk about what you want to achieve in your space environment. So then according to the, their goal, I do everything uh, best. I believe it's going to happen for them. So I am here to do this better for you. So if I, so I'm known with my nose to my client, I say no. And when I was speaking worse English, <laughs> I was more direct and it's so embarrassing today, but uh, now I, I found little ways to say nicer notes, especially American. <laughs> so if I believe something is better for the client, I truly take initiative and I'm like, hey, like we shouldn't do this because this is not better for your, this is not going to create a happier environment for you, even though it looks nice today. It is something so trendy that you are into this today because it's so trendy, but because of it's so trendy today, it might become untrendy very soon. That's, that was great. And now I have many questions as a result. You mentioned <laughs> the discomfort of bringing clients into like the creative world, so to speak. So ultimately like people that aren't in a very generative, creative headspace, you're tasked with bringing them into it, but not bringing them like too deep into it where they're like overwhelmed and, and afraid and sort of reject the process. How do you think about that when you're like interacting with them? Like what are some techniques that you've used to kind of help bring them in, but 
protect them. Yeah, this is a big, uh, this is another learning thing for me, even though I have right now good enough experience with doing, you know, same thing over and over. It's so different for every other person. Some people want to know every meticulous detail about something. Some people get more scared when you include them, how you describe to a process. They don't, they just don't want to get more options or information. Just choose for me. And this mm -hmm. is something, this is my statistics I do on my end. <laughs> I really collect this information because I mean, ultimate goal is to serve something better. Um, I will say to world, but it's going to be very general. But the ultimate goal is to educate myself, you know, put a project out there that eventually good for, you know, uh, benefits to others. Like, so I don't know. I don't have a short answer for that. So many examples. I'll take it. Really, really, now I'm really trying to listen to people and sense them. If they know, if I understand they, you know, they don't like, they don't. Not they don't appreciate, but they don't, they don't get happier to be presented more options. Then I don't just drag them into that thing. And I'm trying to make the decision by myself for them, the best decision I think for them. But I really like to include them because it's very personal thing. I change people's living spaces and I am doing this to a direction that I really believe that has a huge improvement for their life. I don't decorate people's places. I don't bring accessories and, you know, just make it look good. I just take off as much as I can from people's environment to create more refinement for them, more function, maybe more peace. You know, I am so into all sort of all these psychological uh, effects. So that's, I think that's what I see. I do different. I, I offer different and I, yeah, really, and using the skill to really sense them to, you know, understand them and give what they are looking to. If they are, sorry, uh, if they are open to learn, I am so here that. Right. Wayne them, hey, why we should, you know, why I'm taking this piece out or why I want to put this this way, even though you think it's like completely shockingly wrong to you because you never thought something like that because you haven't seen something like this on your Instagram feed or, you know, you know but it's in my Instagram feed. <laughs> right. Oh, it's so funny. Oh, but. I am really there to understand them and explain them. It depends on what they are looking for. I love that. So we're, we're talking about the discomfort that people may, might feel entering into any creative process. And sometimes the head creative or the person kind of leading a lot of this lateral thinking and divergence like yourself uh, needs to uh, make a trade-off in a way of do I educate or do I kind of just presents uh, refined ideas, it, you know, based on how comfortable people might be in the creative process. Are they looking for, for answers? Are they looking for even more questions and are comfortable kind of exploring those with you and, and wondering why you've made decisions and going down paths together? 
uh, which is on one end of the spectrum, the other being like, should it be red or black? Like, I'll leave it up to you. You know, like you, you decide and you tell me what to do. That, that sometimes change too, though. Like, mm-hmm. for example, it starts one way and then people, I got this a lot uh, because maybe I'm so happy to, you know, uh, share it or, um, yeah, I am really willing to share what, how. And sometimes I had a project that the client is just like, just make this for me. And the client was also someone who was really uh, easy. And I was hesitant to even, it's, you know, I narrowed down a lot and I was coming to a, let's say I'm picking some furniture for them that uh, the main sofa or main bed or main chair in the room, I need their personal input because comfort is also very uh, something subjective. Mm-hmm. So for me, comfort starts from my eyes. So it, when I see it, if I'm not comfortable seeing it, I don't care sitting on it is super comfortable, but so these are all, when you're making someone's home, like living space, this is such an important thing that getting a feedback from them, you know, furnishing a space is not a rocket science. So you, anyone can buy a piece of furniture and put in a house or a space they live in too. But how to create a better serving space, more balance or more functional, there's so much element. I mm. think this is almost science because this is almost psychology. So how we, or how people like me, we care about serving better, like improving people's lives, starting from their houses or homes. We really take it to science serious. So I view more or see more psychological information than design information today okay okay a lot there great i'm taking notes and and listening so um well one i'm gonna send you after this uh there's a uh journal of psychology on um creativity and the aesthetics and the arts which um they publish every quarter and it's a it's all studies rooted in what you're talking about so creativity aesthetics and the arts in general, whether that's communication, using art or, you know, uh, how the lyrics of Bob Dylan changed over time and what that meant. Like there's all sorts of really interesting studies there, but, um, I totally agree. I think there is a psychology, uh, there's psychological underpinnings to anything that anyone's receiving, uh, and responding to. So what you're saying is clients that enter into the creative process initially that are like, this is a very binary answer. Like you could just like put this couch in or that couch in. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really have an effect. Just decide for me. Here's the money. Like, just go for it. I don't care. Over time, as they see the decisions you're making, the trade-offs you're making, the reasons for making changes and doing the things you're doing, they realize the level of ownership one can have over creative choices, then become interested in understanding why and which is kind of the first part of learning and then also like trying to implement it even themselves but through you like you being the the final decision maker does that make sense does that sum it up absolutely yeah i was just uh think uh yeah exactly you described better than me (laughs) there's a few things that stood out that i wanted to mention you said um bringing refinement peace and comfort 
I like that. And then this really uh, stood out to me. You said, you know, that you're improving lives starting from people's homes. And I thought that was interesting as a creative, like where, like you're always, you're, you're bringing some change into the world and like, depending on what you choose as your profession or where you devote your energy to, that is sort of where that life improvement starts from that origin point. Uh, I thought that was really interesting. I never really thought of it like that, but it's like, I've chosen design as like the origin point through which I can improve the world. And you've chose interior design to do that. So that was really, uh, it's just a nice nuance that I heard you say and wanted to mention. Okay. Well, we have a bunch of topics. So as I wanted to talk about taste a little bit. So more on the objective or subjective side, uh, taste and inspiration, both of those concepts, either together or separately, because I think you have made a lot of beautiful choices with the work that you've done. But I'm wondering, like, where does that all start? What's the origin of taste for you as a creative? Uh, and how do you think about inspiration on an ongoing basis? Taste is a very personal thing, yeah. Taste is something great to have for a designer to start, <laughs> but it's a very challenging thing to control, to take under control. I think right. too. Because let's say here in the day, I just, uh, I work with people from many different cultures, which I, I mean, I enjoy the most probably, but every culture uh, comes with their own characteristics and uh, um, I mean, if sometimes you really need to, uh, to be able to put your taste on a side and observe what, you know, to, okay, one step back, uh, me coming from an ancient culture, I'm so used to motifs and I'm so used to like traditional decorative things. Like my grandma's house, this is a very generic thing for many Turkish, you know, uh, kids or people. But we had a pattern sofa on top of a regular Turkish rock pattern, which is mm. even like a more heavily pattern, and a coffee table and pattern cloth or decorative object and flowers on top of it, and maybe something yep. on the side and pillows. <laughs> so everything. And then, I, I mean, right now it comes more like we even have curtains on top of it. So but for people, this type of client today doesn't come to me. It's obvious that we cannot work well, mm. but sometimes I have clients who wants to have a transition or totally change direction with their new home or new living. Uh, imagine like five people living in the same house and then they retire. Now mom and dad is moving to from a huge California house to a more like Scandinavian, we can even call a apart ish property mm -hmm. and they want to get rid of all those old furniture they used to like they used 50 years they are a different style that's their style also but they want to move into either more minimal or you know organic modern or like something simpler so here for me it's so interesting to take and they want to take a couple of pieces right to really open all my receptors and under, uh, okay, I am looking at that object and that object is so different than I, what I'm used to, but how can I see it 
with my own taste without disliking it. And if I can use this in this project. So this is the challenge I'm trying to explain. I don't know if this makes sense, but I can't, I'm, I come across to this pretty often, uh, because it's very personal again, in the end, like people likes things because it has a meaning for them. It might even a fluffy toy that they want to, you know, that's challenging to, you know, uh, without judging and understanding and accepting and using. So, so your taste as a designer might be a tricky thing to manage sometimes. Yeah, that's a great point. It's more for, I think for the service based creative arts, um, the commercial arts, I guess you could say where we're serving a client in many ways. Um, yeah, like understanding people's reference points and what is important to them and what they deem good or great or meaningful, and then figuring out the same things for yourself and your own personal, your body of work and, and your aesthetic, and then figuring out how to integrate those two. Sometimes integrating means totally putting aside your taste as in you might've totally said no to this thing. And now it's actually helping you get more creative because now you need to open up and say, well, how do I integrate this thing with that, these other things that they want? So in a way, I guess, finding a way to integrate your taste and other tastes is an even more creative exercise. Sometimes there's a project that there was a very traditional brown leather, but very traditional that I would not probably think of. I've ever come to uh, an object like that to work with. And then I just took a picture of it, printed, put on my wall. While I was working on that project, I was always looking. I And then I put the shell, you know, I just cleared it uh, um, uh, around it. In the end, I designed the house. It was like super minimal, but super minimal. The, the chair, by the way, I'm saying traditional, but it's not like in a negative it was so old and antique too that it had a value for this uh my client was uh they were Korean or very old couple and it had a value for them and then I just designed everything that object from their old generations you know came to them now it was just displayed in their new home and with kind of like an exhibitional you know um effect yeah, it had almost an exhibitional effect. So I like that scene now. Right. Even though I didn't like it in the beginning. And I was, yeah, I mean, well, I was like, we cannot use this. That See, I love that because that that is this adaptability that needs to be had. I think, like I said, it more in the commercial arts, but I think in any collaboration at all, uh, there's adaptability that needs to be had. And I think what you're talking about here is like, understanding whether it's one piece or one idea or one background that someone may have that they're bringing to the project, like learning to understand that and appreciate it and, and respect it so that you can highlight it or use it um, within the work in a way that isn't um, just sort of like putting it like where it stands out awkwardly, but it feels integrated in the work and it respects um, the things they respect about it. Um, well, let's talk about collaboration then, because, um, 
unless you have more things to talk about taste, do you have anything else that you want to say about taste and, and inspiration? Inspiration is a great topic. I think if, okay, if I'm having a challenge about time management, that's because I am getting inspired a lot. So I am even mm. getting inspiration, you know, so this is, this is, uh, and I'm very sincere about this. So for me, maybe on the, um, time, uh, time chart or with the timetable that we, um, mm-hmm. Gantt yeah, chart. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we should really add that inspiration time yeah. uh, for preparing for a project. Because I think to me, that is taking the most time. And that's the most valuable time that I invest in the beginning for a project. When I tell clients, hey, I will start your project in the four weeks. It doesn't mean that I don't care about your project the first four weeks. I do many other, like I do multiple houses at the same time. And they are 100% different than each other. All of them, 100%. So I don't need to disconnect from one you know, household to, or one architecture, one project to another to be able to function better, which is actually even more beneficial to work with same houses, you know, at the same time. Mm-hmm. But when I start to hear about your project today, you mentioned me, you start to mention my brain. So that channel is open today and it will start mm-hmm. to think about it. And more I think about it, before I started to build things or, you know, draw things or make decisions for you, it's way better. But I understand it's a fast living culture. So I cannot tell everyone, Hey, like I can start your project in two months, but if I do, you know, I promise well, because also we start to interact with the clients. Um, here's another example. Um, always decisions during the project best decisions happens um later on because i start to get to know people and then instead of in the beginning they you know um i they let me to make decision for them if i do towards the end because i know you right now like much better than uh in the beginning so now i can make those decisions you know um but yeah, let me give me some time to get inspired for your project and to work with you. You know, it's uh, so important. I have a total shift in topics. Uh, I want to talk about personal roadblocks. It's one of my favorite topics to talk to creative people about because it seems like we have more of them than than most people. So <laughs> we are personal blocks. <laughs> we are. We are our own personal roadblocks. Um, would love to hear about that. Um, mm-hmm. Sort of, especially as it relates to your work and relates to being a creative person, whether it's now, whether it was in the past. Um, sort of what's been your journey with the personal roadblocks and how they affect you as a creative person? Uh, perfectionism. That's mm-hmm. something... Um, that is a real roadblock because every time when I start to design something, it's not I am designing a something. I want to design the best of whatever that. So that's a lot of pressure that I put from the beginning. So 
it is a lot of pressure to create something, especially if you care about the environment, uh, care about the people you work with, if you are a caring person. So, which I am deeply. And every time when I'm creating something, I want to create the best for that project. Those people also create the best version in category or something. So I'm not saying I am doing this, but I am trying to do this. And this mindset, starting from with this mindset is a huge pressure. Think about it. Every day I create something. Every right. day I make this day. Right. So every day. There was a stress over that. I was not able to redefine what was that stress. Mm. Here you go. The stress. You're trying to do something best. That's a lot. So I am my, uh, my perfectionism is probably one of my biggest, um, personal blocks and overthinking. Same. I mean, same or extension of it. Like if you have this problem. Or if anyone is having this problem, they will understand me deeply. Uh, starting to something as a creator from scratch. Oh, I have to do the best version of this. Is uh, instead of this, starting. Okay, let me start to where I can start to this from. Mm. It's a game changer, and I learned this after my thirties. So I just. So yeah. That's uh, super relatable, and I'm curious if anyone uh, on the on the chat right now also relates to that. But I I relate to it a lot, and, and specifically, you said um, when you were describing perfectionism that it's a lot of pressure. Um, uh, sorry, a lot of stress on top of the creative process, which is an inherently like it's work, it's stress, it, it takes time to do the thing, right? It's naturally sort of a stressful process in some ways, it's also joyful and, and all other things, but then it's adding this additional layer of kind of pressure and stress on the process. Um, I remember in my like early 20s or mid 20s, like really having like a real moment with my parents where I was like, I, don't, I didn't even know how to verbalize it like what I was feeling when like mm. doing the work, but feeling like this sort of this pressure. That's how I, I, I served as a weight on my shoulders um, yeah. and not really knowing like how to relate to it or interact with it. Ultimately, that's just anxiety and then learning what that is and learning how to cope with it and, and sort of how you orient towards the future. Um, but I think perfectionism, overthinking, anxiety, these sort of stressors, are all like future thinking is like the thing that's going to happen in the future. I want it to be the best thing ever. And I was carrying the weight of like wanting it to be whatever best meant without really coming to terms with what is my ability in this moment? Like what is best to even mean? It's a made up concept that like changes every time uh, you try to do something and kind of facing the reality of, of, of best being whatever comes out of me, given all the tools I employ is the best version, period. Like, you know what I mean? Like there couldn't have been a better one. I know what I know. I have as much time as I can. I'll try to say this. Um, uh, I am trying to not judge myself today because of who I couldn't become yet, who I want to be mm -hmm. and who I am. So I can still be that person. 
I can still do better. I can still improve. I can still learn, 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 learn. And I can be better if I want to. But today, who I am is who I am. And that relieves relief, a lot of pressure. Um, so that was another great question from uh, a friend. He asked me, hey, like, what is, why you are thinking that you are not that successful yet? What, explain me what is it? Like, who is in your age or, you know, around you? What, who is successful that you are thinking? So all the examples that I was, you know, comparing myself with all these, even demographically, like age-wise, was way wider and older people than me. He's like, okay, so that was a perfect, like, I, that was a really, really helpful um, definition uh, moment for me because, okay, so this is a way, this is a path I can become better, but today I am, I own this abilities and what I can do best with this abilities or, how, you know, how, what type of decisions I can make today. So, yep, that was one of my, <laughs> so that's why I said, it'll be better. It's not, it, you, you're not good enough, but if you want to be, and we also, uh, someone from the stock market that I was uh, speaking to, and they said in investment, like human, you know, like that, uh, um, stocks had like certain percentages of like, you know, investments in general. Uh, they increase uh, a certain percentages. There's a math that that math also Im uh, implies applies to a uh, human too. If you just do uh, what you do today, uh, like in our age group, like um, like college educated, there was some uh, details for that, but college educated or like um, something something. Uh, you improve 30% with your current investment every almost year. So if you put a little bit more effort on that, can you imagine like what? So we are already seeing, learning, hearing, or sharing. We are gaining every day. So it's just a little bit more effort. It can just better that's, that's what i'm trying to see the uh you know world too yeah um so <laughs> I, I think we absolutely it's like there's this idea of like like we can be better and it's like naturally we'll just be better by continuing to like seek self-improvement um no better might not be even be the best version of a person even like but you could be like the worst person ever and slowly over time get better. You know what I mean? So, um, I think it's an interesting topic because the sort of goal is ambiguous and we're doing creative work, which is, there's a lot of ambiguity and subjectivity in that. It's like, you know, is the goal to design X thing the same exact way as someone else? Like, no, probably not. But like, so then how could anyone compare to another, another person and, and, and achieve that level or whatever, however you're describing the success of another person, you know, unless it's like a very like, um, quantitative thing, like they made a hundred 
things in a month. It's like, oh, now I did that. Great. I'm as good as them. Or like they did this kind of project. I did, you know, like unless it's like comparing these very measurable things, it, it then becomes such a, um, such a trap for anxiety and for perfectionism and for like pushing and, and pressure I've, I've found. Until you start to discover or start to understand yourself a little bit better. It's so challenging because analytic mind doesn't do this overthinking for, I, I think on their life to them. I don't think, or maybe I just think that we are more hard because we don't have really even thinking boundaries. Everything's very organic there. And mm -hmm. it's just so uh, easy to get affected. It, it, as, as easy as um, getting inspiration, it's so easy to get affected and, you know, motivated, demotivated, everything. So, yes. I think, you know, someone said the other day to me, another creative is like, the problem is that we're creative with our own anxieties as well. Like when you're a creative mind, like you're creative and weaving all of these additional narratives because the mind's just processing in that same way, this very generative new ideas, new patterns and new, like it's so much newness that's happening that uh, it also applies when things start to spiral in a negative place where we get creative with that. Oh, maybe this is that. Maybe if I only did that, that would happen. And like, you just start creating these, these very thick webs that um, could definitely hurt as, as well as, as help. Maybe because also we start with criticizing. I mean, um, mm -hmm. so uh, I'm not sure if I'm translating this world exactly, but uh, I'm trying to say this. So. To make things better or like creative uh, mind or an artist, the intention is to make something better or beautiful, not maybe better, but just good, beautiful or better. All of these things start with like a question, what is good? So it. Mm. On the line of what is bad is so close. You're already thinking about it, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's why we are so tend to uh, criticize every next move, thing, decision we make. Maybe more than because uh, I don't know much about coding, but I'm just trying to think of an example. It's not that like. Um, or like, let's say math, the most basic one, there is a, uh, certain result if you do two certain moves, but in yeah. our case, it's always like, or like better, worse, you know, brighter, nicer, yeah. darker, even darker, darker for who, you know, <laughs> just, uh, um, so sometimes uh, like a client gives a feedback like this to me. They understand this entire topic we're talking and I'm like, oh, welcome to my world. Yeah. Like, but we choose. <laughs> so those are the ones who choose to uh, get involved in the process. <laughs> that This is such a great point. Um, I have so many things to say because I've been thinking about this a lot. So I posted the other day or yesterday or 
at some point, someday in the last seven days, uh, some work that I did and, and wrote, isn't it weird that we always lead, like when we listen to new work, we typically lean towards critiquing that work rather than appreciating that work. And I just thought it was kind of an interesting concept is like, we're not, sometimes we're never thinking about appreciating the work. It's like, it's just, you see it and like, you have to think something about it. Uh, even like those boring buildings that I passed, like I only critiqued it. I didn't ever stop to think about the benefit of it. So that was one part. But the other part that you're getting at is like, we're in, in like a business of change where like we're always changing things. And that change is resting on a foundation of ambiguity and subjectivity and things that like don't have a right answer. The answer is sort of in the eye of the beholder. You know, if I say darker and you're like, oh yeah, just like lower your lights or I could paint your whole room a darker black. Like those are two different things that get at the same sort of solution. And so it leaves like, an infinite sort of um, array of possibility. And so that, I mean, when you're talking about perfectionism or overthinking, like perfectionism is how is it, which one's perfect? Like, do we make the room darker or do we just tell them to lower the lights? And it's very easy to overthink that because there's probably a dozen other ways to solve that problem. The, you know, cover the windows or remove the windows. Like, you know, there's just an infinite array. So. Yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot recently is like, I think to like, for me to healthily navigate this part of the process, and I'm curious where you're at with this is like, knowing when like, I'm open to like, kind of just going full subjective and just diving in, and then putting on the hat of objectivity is like, yeah, this is what I think is good. Even if it's like, I know that there's a million other ways like at some point, just kind of putting that add on to, uh, to converge. How do you uh, think about that? Like when it is time to make decisions and, and time to, I mean, you mentioned avoiding them earlier, but when it is time to make decisions, uh, how do you go about it? I was actually, I was just thinking when you start to give an example, I was thinking of we're designing a showroom, like, and you know, there is there is a lot of different objects, design pieces coming all over the world. And there was this face, glass face. It's a sculpture, had metal glasses on it. It looked very, um, pop. Mm. Pop art? I, I don't even know how to describe it. It, it was a sculpture of the face. Glass belongs. It's so expensive, super expensive. I think that's where the judgmental also, that's another topic we can talk like the, because a price also has a huge effect in our minds too. So it was super expensive. I'm like, that, and like me, a couple other people, like the other designers had a similar opinion. So why isn't this expensive or like. Okay, we understood this is hand blown or, you know, uh, something make hard to make it, but why this guy made this object? Uh, not why, but, um, trying to find nice words to say. So then he taught me something that day. He's like, maybe like, have you looked, he, his question was this, have you looked how this, this was made? Did I look up? Like, do I know? 
good enough to judge them. So then, okay, yeah, we start to look. So difficult to make that object, like extremely difficult. And he did something, it's like a brain surgery uh, for glass blowing. And then, you know, glass blowing into a metal. It's just, okay, impressive. So now I appreciate the work more, but I don't like more. Right. That was my, that's it. That was my example. So I am, after that day, I started, instead of judging first, I'm like, if possible, I'm just trying to find the information behind it first. Like, is there, what's the story behind this? What's the information? Like, how they made, why they made this here? This looks hideous. Why it's like this way? And then, hmm, okay. Or sometimes I have a, uh, I had a uh, object and I'm like, oh, this looks so odd. Then I learned it. That first her furniture actually in the history that they used plastic metal and wood together mm. it's the first example of it so that actually make a moving furniture history but it has a really good you know meaning of it shifted my perspective a little bit to appreciate more but often i i say reserve my rights here with my own taste after i look up I might still dislike. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like the idea of appreciating the work without having to like it per se. Like you don't need to, to love it or think it's good at all, but you can still appreciate what went into it, the history of it, the impact of it. I want to talk about something fun because we, we kind of got into the, the sort of negative side of design and, and sort of the, the lifestyle, the roadblocks and, and all of that. I think on a more optimistic side of things, I want to talk about play because play is something that as a, as a child, we have a lot of, and we do a lot of, and then as we sort of grow older, that concept becomes more childish or labeled that way, or at least it has for me and, and my experience. And I'm wondering where, how play has. Well, do I play? <laughs> What's that? Well, do I play? Well, yeah, I know you have a giant ball pit in your house that you jump around in. Um, no, um, but what is your relationship with play over time? Like as a kid, were you someone that played a lot? I think all my basic skills of like, uh, yeah, all my basic skills today come from playing on the street. Mm. We had, I had compared to, sorry, being able to compare different cultures here. I cannot appreciate more than my time without phone, uh, playing on the street, neighborhood culture, you know, all values, or I don't know, they were a gift uh, to us, to my generation. So every day we would play on the street. And we were not like two, three people. We were like, or, you know, like if we were the guy, so had to uh, make a separation on the street because Guys could play soccer and they were enough guys to make a soccer team over there, you know, and mm. uh, to play soccer. And the rest of the street, we girls or like, or other uh, boys would play other games. So was, so a poor family on the street were just like, you know, keep it quiet, lower down, like those were the, uh, those. I had an amazing childhood. Um, we had, I grew up in a summer house culture too. So when we, every, I mean, 
we were moving to summer house every three, four months, which also, you know, uh, it's a very common thing in Turkey, I think. So when you go there, there's another child uh, group that you engage in play and no one closes their door at that time. Mm-hmm. So if I want to go to someone, uh, my friend's home, I can just open the door and go in. So trust was different. Mm-hmm. Environment, um, there was no one go to go and knock our door, step out from that, you know, shyness or something. If you want to play, you have to go show up at your neighbor's door and hmm. say, Oh, you want to play? <laughs> but, you know, yeah, I mean, oh, so heartbreaking today after I watch social development <laughs> because I'm really worried about the next generation and how they're gonna do. The, the, the sentence, it really hurt me the other night is the next generation is going to have a hard time to find romanticism, to feel romanticism because of all this digitalized work. So they can mm-hmm. go and knock other person's door right now. Oh, and you know, so many other things you have to share, you have to have empathy. If you want to play on the street, you have to to communicate so today i feel those whatever skills are serving me good today i think i gained them while i was like i was having so much fun and i had zero idea of i was investing to my future right so today we all like brain minds we were always trying to just like better better decisions and plan better decisions there was zero plan i was purely trying to have fun and I was selecting the games I want to play just because of I was enjoying one. I'm also thinking, I think I am constantly giving my child, child, I, I'm keeping that up. Uh, many of my decisions within the day, most of it, uh, it's still pretty like childish. <laughs> Play for you know, uh, uh, bridge. Um, okay, so as a grown up person, and I have a huge day of past me, like I can't have a proper breakfast, help me, can I can be helped, whatever, you know, I just be that, uh, chocolate cereal, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) Um, I mean, as simple as it's so many, I don't, for example, care. Uh, even though I do, when I'm going out, if my, one of my shoes is like shiny to me more than other, I don't care if it's fitting to the rest of my outfit. I would wear them. Very childish. And I, mm. I try to keep it alive um, intentionally. Yeah, I like that. And it's interesting because the way you define play and the relationship you had with play was, it sounded so foundational to learning things like trust and environment and empathy sharing and communication and like all these fundamental skills qualities yeah Yeah. and you you were glowing you were so happy (laughs) like you're so happy talking about it yeah it was great it was great to watch uh you reminisce (laughs) on that um and i think now you're saying the the playfulness is in also this this factor of sort of just 
embracing one's decisions to do anything that they decide, you know, like, um, your decision to, to wear a pair of shoes that some fashionable, like critic might be like, that's weird, but like, you know, just like embracing, you know, two different color socks or whatever, you know, like, so, um, there's that form of play. And I'm wondering in the working, the create creativity environment, like how are you setting up that for play? Uh, um, and are you bringing that into the, into your process? Uh, yeah, that question comes up usually like, why not? Like, I, I just see a spark over there. Oh, like we can do this. Like here on this con yesterday we were, we were designing a pretty portal house for like mid late 50 age group, single living with a professional. So, you know, there are some other things we do before we like about who will live at the house before we even start to think about it. Mm -hmm. uh, because, okay, one step back. So there are certain things about my job. When you are designing a space, there's one thing we care what space needs. Mm -hmm. One thing is what, who will live here cares. What I care. <laughs> so, you know, the all these things together. So the person is, so important and we like read a lot we try to read a lot about uh first there there are usually certain things match with certain either age group or culture groups or you know certain personality type but then uh when i was looking at the schools there's this huge chair from established it's a british design topic huge funky chair and it's super odd, like for that space. Yeah. Uh, well, all the things that we are uh, concerned about, the place, that's like a little too too energetic for us. Uh, I'm like, why not? So let's think how we can do this. Can I do this big, weird, odd chair in black? and still push in the corner. And so when you walk in the space, it's a very open space. It doesn't speak to you right away, but when you take your seat and you're looking at that direction, now you can see there's that chair, then it's gonna make you smile. Because yeah. that doesn't fit to that house from the first, you know, hide it from the typical generic Brit if we follow that. But, you know, I had an idea because scale works so well. Something else might, you know, it could bring some happiness or some surprising. Then how we can make it work? Yeah, then we make it work. So this is how I play. So why not? So and the, when we talk with the clients, they're like, "Oh, we like this, but is this super like we do it? Let's say a, a very monochrome concept. We start since the beginning. That's what." Make it cry more, and then they just saw this bright <laughs> object. That's you know, when we most of the time when we start the project, it's approximately a year. Like you know, let's say we meet the client, take the project, construction starts, picking, purchasing, blah blah blah. So they change, we change, everything changes within that time. So having that uh flexibility or childish characteristic or being open-minded that i think 
uh, has a really good impact to, to the end result. Yeah. I think all those words are words that I've been exploring over the past few years of, of flexibility, childlike openness or childlike qualities and openness. I feel like they're all overlapping in a Venn diagram somewhere, but they are different in, in, in many ways. But I think that idea of play facilitates those behaviors. Like it, it encourages flexibility It encourages childlike, um, you know, activity and, and openness. And I think, yeah, integrating that in the creative process and trying to do that more has been really rewarding and it feels very empowering to do when it's like, oh, this is my process. Like I can do this. And then to be able to figure out how to make it work without like being like naive and making poor decisions, but also like feeling good while doing it. And, you know, here's a question I have for you. Like, is there too much openness that one could have? Or did you ever have a fear of being too open in the creative process? Like you're like in terms of openness. I start to have, I didn't have before, but I just, I start to think about it. Uh, is there a, is there being too much openness? Because here's the, the reason I was just a designer. I mean, I was just an artist. I studied painting and then I became designer to design it. So it, I, I led my career more analytic <laughs> from just, you know, painting a black palette. Uh, so I, I was saying a creative mind, and then I became a business owner. Mm. Oh man! <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, you know, totally different thing. So, uh, I have great friends that like uh, you're one of them too. Like I, hey, like I have a question. I have something wrong here. Would I be wrong? You know. Uh, needs to be managed business-wise differently, but I am um, totally other way. Yeah. So if client has a, if client was giving me, uh, like flexible time, I, I, I was not caring about, uh, the cash or, you know, the, the time uh constant or all these things i was just taking my time as much as possible to develop my idea as much as possible right so what's that is that right from a business perspective and that's basically when you start to grow then there's one project another one and there's one that more exciting one coming right now so you really need to time manage again and put all and priority and all of this. So thinking so openly, that's where the that where the risk starts because I think super open and more open I think more ideas I have, mm. more questions you have, yeah. you know, like instead of four questions becomes ten questions, that's not even the problem started yet. Problem starts for creative. You have right now ten questions or twenty answers, please narrow down. <laughs> so I don't think I really argue that about narrowing down. Sometimes I just walk into a room and I just make one decision right away. And that's usually the after six months, even that's what we end up going. But sometimes 
we just started like canvas and I started to explore ideas more and more, you know, and the, uh, yeah, that needs to be managed. So I think there just be no limit in their thinking in a certain time period. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's what I am exploring right now. I don't have the answer, like right answer or a very well thought answer for this question yet. <laughs> cool. But yeah, kind of what you're saying right now is that openness is great and it also can become detrimental based on the amount of projects you have and, and deadlines, but you're also wanting it to be really great. So you know that you need some level of openness and knowing how much openness that is, how much is enough to do work that you're proud of is basically sort of what you're, what you're getting at. So someone suggested me this and this didn't sound like someone who does researches for, uh, design, uh, industry, like deep research and you know, like, uh, she's a researcher. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, um, there is not a perfect design. There's a good enough one to move forward. So every, mm -hmm. but to me, since I heard this, this didn't sound good enough to, or, you know, right to me. So I couldn't really, um, uh, embrace that, uh, mentality. Yep. I think I would, I will have a hard time if I do. To me, good enough is not enough, uh, you know, mm -hmm. so how we started, I want to deliver perfect product because that's my extension. It's not like, oh, you know, I deliver project and then people will live there. It's not my house. No, mm -hmm. that's my product. And, uh, that cause I believe in the, in, like, um, full loving impact or something. Um, so yeah, I'm exploring. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the name of this series, exploring creativity. I mean, it is, it is absolutely something to be explored. And, and I think that's part of it. And it's part of the motivation to write a book on it is to show perspectives, um, across, across the board and, and across professions and disciplines and like it's such a subjective field and there isn't a right answer. And it's, it's us over time refining our belief system and around creativity and around, um, sort of our, uh, and refine our decision-making process uh, around creativity. Like when do we do this? When do we decide that? Um, I think it, it, it is a, I don't think there's one answer to any of this. And I think all of it comes in time, like a lot of like learning and trying things and them not working out. I'm trying to hopefully with the book, add a little bit more, um, information around, uh, these different areas and how people are, are looking at them for maybe younger creatives who are entering into this field and, uh, or en entering into any creative field, to try to understand a little bit better, um, how to kind of navigate those boundaries. So I hear you, you don't have to have an answer. That's basically what I'm saying. Uh, uh, okay. Well, I'm wondering about, and we can have this as our last topic. I want to talk about collaboration, but specifically around feedback. 
Um, how are you with feedback and what's your relationship in with feedback? I'm really good at uh, with feedback. I am for it. Like, uh, usually my emails ends with, uh, I'm looking for your feedback. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I'm curious on your feedback. I'm curious to hear your, uh, something. Okay. Yep. So to it is again, being creative, we don't have everything is so subjective uh, on what we are doing. When I am on board uh, on any project, everyone else, either homeowner or, you know, uh, commer- like uh, commercial space, or whoever it is, I just uh, take them as a team player to my mm-hmm. team. So we brainstorm about this from the day one to the end. So every input you give, okay, so maybe we have um, decision-making hierarchy and maybe uh, I am the most trusted person on this decision-making, but all of the ideas in the room has uh, the same value to me because sometimes it's just it comes back to inspiration something someone says it just triggers it. even it's not what they are saying but it triggers an idea that we just find either a solution yeah. because it's not always just making things pretty or beautiful sometimes it's solving problems it's a lot of the time solving problems because um space architecture you know it's in decoration so much technical things are involved too uh, I really see everyone as a team player and their feedback is so, uh, what I am looking uh, to, and what I do is, uh, I don't, it doesn't hurt my feelings. I just get, you know, I sometimes, for example, if we did something a couple times repeated and then it was just, um, let's say dismissed or, um, uh, I don't know, even not ignored. I'm looking for the word. Um, sometimes I just get like annoyed. Oh, like we thought about this, uh, right. monster, you know, uh, but it's not about I'm annoyed. Uh, to the client or another team member, it's just, oh, we could just gain so much time. Yeah. Uh, or couldn't I explain better? Or didn't we, what we did wrong? Or, you know, uh, so that, that's why even better feedback is more important because here the feedback, more direct the feedback, um, it's just more beneficial. <laughs> yeah. Great. I've been really embracing feedback lately, uh, sending like surveys out to the class that I'm teaching and like really getting into looking for what are the things that are bothering them? How could I, how could I address it sooner? Uh, it's, it is a really constructive activity and, 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 uh, yeah, it's a constructive activity. If, if people don't get attached emotionally to the feedback or to any critique of the work, I guess. So it seems like you have a pretty healthy relationship with feedback. 
I think I do, or I, I try to, uh, better. Maybe, of course, probably I would follow it, maybe, you know, mm-hmm. everything I was designing, I probably think they were the best of their, right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, more, more, I am so extremely into super normal things and, uh, I try to educate myself constantly. So every feedback for me is just another opportunity to uh, pause or step back and review it. Am I successful doing it? I'm exploring. <laughs> I'm exploring how to do it, how to do it better. But overall, yeah, I just think every feedback is an opportunity uh, to gain perspective. Something. Great. Well, I have one last question, which is if you were to write a book on creativity for your younger self, um, what would you include in it? For not my younger self. That is a great question. So, uh, I'll wait. Take your time. For my younger version, probably, um, oh, I just have so many. Uh, oh, yeah. It doesn't have to be one thing, by the way. It could be a dozen things. If you're going to open another uh, 30 minutes. Okay. <laughs> so taking risk, I would encourage myself, uh, taking risks, <laughs> even though I take a lot of risk, I would rather be taking more risk all the time. Uh, cause here is my experience earlier age, you have because you have less responsibility and uh, less, less thing, less pressure, less to lose. For example, time is getting more and more, uh, issue for us, uh, when we get older, but you're like twenties, you tried something, it failed. So perfect. Yeah. You just learned something rather. And. Everyone says, and I will say, all my great experiences of learning came from making mistakes and making mistakes. Yeah, I I haven't failed on something like horse. For example, I haven't uh, started up a business on my early ages or it failed, but I made great mistakes before. And I am... I'm really grateful for each of them because today when I look back and see it, I would rather that, you know, I haven't done that mistake and learn when I was, I don't know, late forties or something. So each of them were, you know, for example, hiring personal employees, it was, uh, or a hundred, uh, I cannot say it first because I had, uh, like, so, but hiring first official, uh, someone that it turned to, 
uh, a very interesting experience for me in LA. And I learned so much from that. And it ended. And it, I am so grateful it, it ended. But, you know, it gave me some headaches and stress and stuff at that time. But I learned so much for the rest of my business management as a business owner. That's uh, that was really, really helpful. So just take, uh, take more risk on an earlier age and just keep curious. You know, that's, I think I'm mentioning two things that maybe two qualities that I, I don't think I'm missing and I think I have it, but I would rather have more because also another thing I, uh, really appreciate. I am a very curious person about anything. It doesn't have to be design or art only. And that would really empowers my childlike pride, enjoyment, you know, all the dynamics I uh, appreciate in my life comes from my curious, like my curiosity and this curiosity. So I, uh, yeah, that's that too. Okay. I have another question. Um... I have a book uh, named Cover Right Now, Risks and Curiosity for my younger self. <laughs> um, I actually wrote a book title for you before from something you yeah. said, which is, I want to paint when I need to work. <laughs> <laughs> that can start by... Okay, one more question, actually. Um, what do you feel like are your greatest creative strengths? My greatest creative strength. I, I'm trying to say this something without sounding so weird or snob, but. Well, okay. So, so Candace already answered this for you. She said amazing taste and I. <laughs> I love Candace. <laughs> uh, um. I, I think I have, um, either from the education background or from my since I was a kid, I think I have a great knowledge and history knowing about, uh, art and design. And that something I value and I am constantly trying, you know, feed to, mm -hmm. um, uh, that's why I would like sometimes I need to put like oh, uh, a line like, hey, we're not just decorating uh, or, you know, accessorized plate. I have a, there is a philosophy behind of what I do. I believe it. If you don't mm -hmm. believe it, maybe we cannot work together, but maybe that's the best. So, uh, say, my curiosity. That. Right becomes a tool or yeah, a curiosity. You can see other things. You're allowed to compliment yourself. That's why I wanted to end on this because I, like I said, I think we often look at the things that could be improved, but I'm wondering what do you feel like, you know, is, is that a, at any good place? Yeah. My learning skills, knowledge, my curiosity, communicating. Mm. I communicate my ideas 
Because think about it, most of the time, people buy things like product from me that they don't even see them. Right. Like trust is upfront. So I, most of the time, uh, it's so interesting that my uh, paintings got sold on the idea part. They People doesn't see the final product and purchase. So I don't know if I'm putting it with the right words, but to me, it's the way I maybe describe it. That's why I'm saying this is my non, uh, not my language you can totally say, but I believe that I try my best to communicate, to explain, give what I am thinking. If this requires that we can do this on a Zoom call, I will just, I, I will just come there and explain you or show you that if, you know, I can do that better. So, and I am very flexible. That's maybe another thing to Candace knows this is the best. <laughs> With my clients during the project, you know, it, uh, I am trying to be as flexible as possible. Mm -hmm. So we all, the team, including the client, can achieve to the best um, result. Great. Well, I think all of those are true. It seems as though Candace agrees. Um, I really appreciate you taking several hours to speak today. Really? Yeah. Um, even though we haven't seen each other in so long, I feel like it was just yesterday even though it's been months and months. Um, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Everything you shared was awesome. Um, there's a lot to think about um, and write about. And uh, I look forward to seeing you soon. Okay. It was great to seeing you too. Um, and I hope to see you soon too. I'll be, I'll be around. The goal right now is uh, around November. I'm going to have a friend in, in LA, so... I'll try to get out there in November. You hop right in LA. He's coming to LA. Not someone <laughs> that lives in LA. Okay. Um. All right. We other your other friends will be waiting for this. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah those people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it will be great to hang out. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I can't wait. Okay. Thank you. Well, thanks so much, and thanks to everyone that watched. And um, yeah, I will see everyone next Wednesday. Bye. Bye.